are live. Welcome back to First Strike. Hopefully there's no technical difficulties as I am once again streaming from two different places at the same time. My mic here and my phone right there. So hopefully things are going smooth. Before we start the show, I'd like to plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. Feels like it's uh, it's been a while since we did this episode because I guess it's just been a while since I've seen Rob on this show. And uh, again, shout-outs to him. He's got a second kid now, and it uh, looks like things are going pretty well. Seen some pictures on Facebook with the new siblings hugging it out, so pretty happy. Uh, tonight, we got Andy and Derek. How's it going, fellas? Excellent. Best day of my life. <laughs> Best day in your life. And we welcome back someone who is like a pseudo guest, I would say. GP Pittsburgh champion, Splinter Twin master, Alex Bianchi, back in the First Strike podcast because he's going back to the Pro Tour. How's it going, Alex? It's going great. Yeah, it's been like five Pro Tours now that have been uh, off. So it's good to be back. Five. How, how many have you played? This will be my fifth Pro Tour coming up. Alrighty. That's, that's pretty good. Um, people were... were messaging us because we this show we talk a lot about standard we talk a lot about modern not too much limited since uh vince uh, had to take let's say a mini hiatus from the show to focus on waypoint uh his, his shop so alex let's let's go straight to it what preparation did you make for, for this uh were you already ready based on all the drafts you've done up to this point or did you uh come in with a specific game plan a week or two before yeah, I, I felt pretty ready beforehand um, in my preparation for GP Indy, which was the um, team sealed GP. Um, so I felt comfortable with the format and the cards. I just kind of did like one sealed as practice on Moto on Monday, last Monday, um, just to refamiliarize myself with the cards. And uh, that was it. Um, ended up cracking a pretty decent sealed pool. It was like a blue white skies deck with 10 flyers. And. Uh, the Immortal Sun, which turns out to be one of the most insane cards in the format, as good, the better than the rest of my deck. Uh, and yeah, I ran really hot on Saturday to top eight the RPTQ in Toronto, which was uh, pretty stacked. A lot of really good players, a lot of Pro Tour regulars there. Um, and I just I went 4-0, double draw into the top eight, and then had to win one round of draft to qualify for the Pro Tour, which you know, winning five matches seems like a steal to get on the Pro Tour, but uh, I'll take it, yeah. That is interesting uh, because, wow, like, you're drafting, but you're only having to play one match to get there? That, that is kind of weird to me. It's a unique, yeah, it's a unique situation where I just kind of felt like I have to draft I don't have to draft a 3-0 deck. I just have to draft a deck that can get there and hopefully just be good enough. Um, and I ended up drafting a okay black-white vampires deck. Um, it was... I took like a really early um, the plus one, plus one aura to everything. Um, Radiant Destiny, yeah. And, um, you know, was trying to hope to be vampires last pack really i got hooked up with uh double queen's commission and double bishop soldier which just got to tie my deck together and yeah 
um, had a really interesting top eight match actually against uh, uh, this guy from Rochester that I kind of know. And uh, it was just a really close down to the, down to the wire match at the end. Barely squeaked it out. He had a really aggressive like red white deck against my vampires deck, and uh, it was just yeah, craziest match, craziest match, one of the craziest matches I've had in my in my life really in the in the finals there. Okay, um, so you mentioned how like you might be able to get away with not having to go go all out like on on the pro tour. I think that uh, lots of guests. Or even some of us believe that the best strategy is to draft a 3-0 deck because we're trying really hard to um, make it to the top 8 of the PT. And if you're just X1-ing, um, it's still good enough if you're X0-ing constructed. But you know, to give yourself um, more room for failure, uh, you just go for a high volatility approach, possibly. But uh, did you even think about that? Did you... Did, like? When you were drafting a certain pack, were you saying, oh, maybe I, I'm picking this because this is the safer choice? Did that even come up? Um, it creeps up in like a couple of my picks, but um, yeah, I don't think it's probably not a great idea to skew your draft strategy too much um, overall. Just trying to, um, for the most part, approach it like a normal, a normal draft. But there were a couple of picks where I'm like, yeah, this is like a little bit of a safer pick, I guess. They only have to win one round, you know. So, okay. Um. So, so run that back for me. Did you specifically prepare for sealed and draft? Like draft, were you super comfortable? Um. I guess overall, I've done more drafts than sealed, but I just did like one sealed leading up in the week before. Um. Because that's a majority of the RPTQ is is a sealed format, so. But right. yeah, um, the sealed and draft formats I think are quite different in in Ixalan. So I think it's good in preparation for the RBTQ where you're going to have to play both sealed and draft to to, to qualify to definitely have practice with both. So you're not like completely going into the draft blind or anything like that. If you were to give advice to anyone that uh, still has to play in RBTQ. Uh, there's one in Montreal coming up. There's also an LCQ, face-to-face games. Montreal's hosting both the LCQ on Saturday and then on, on, on the same weekend. And then on Sunday, it's the RPTQ free to pay, play, just like the Toronto one, despite the fact that uh, TOs can now charge. Uh, and why not? I mean, there's, there's like no, upside, uh, no downside to, to charging, I think. But we're keeping it free. Uh, we've kept it free since the announcement that we could charge uh, for these RPTQ tournaments. And, uh, oh, and unless at some point, like the, the amount of people is too, too big, maybe we'll change that plan. But currently that's, that's our current model. Um, what advice would you have for, for people going? Like any quick things that uh, maybe you thought were correct at the beginning of the format and that now you no longer think it's true? I think we had some people think that the sp- they were wrong about the speed initially. Uh, Alex Magelton said that uh, he thought it was, I don't remember if he thought it was just about drafting a lot of tutus and all about speed, or I, I think that's what he initially thought. And then, then he realized it's much slower and he could take it slower. Well, what's your impression? Yeah, my impressions are basically the same. You know, it seemed like it was a really aggressive format. There's a lot of evasive hard to block two drops like two one menace two one flyer um the green the kill grove stalker things like that 
but it turns out like the sealed format especially is a lot slower um uh suncrested pterodon the five drops really good sailor of means still really good and it is really good blockers um snubhorn sentry is a card that i initially wrote off as unplayable but it turns out that card was great uh, it was in both of my decks actually this past weekend um so yeah you can easily if your sealed pool dictates play like a four color deck with not even that many two drops but you know you're splashing all your good removal all your bombs there's a lot of a lot of really good rares in the set so if you end up opening um any of these you know tetsamok anointed procession adonis climb things like that you should be looking to splash them hmm all right, good good advice. Before we get to Derek's experience of the RPTQ, let's go to our first debate question uh, from Andy, dropping some bombs in the chat. I feel like draft for one round is dumb. It, it, it's stupid. Andy, uh, elaborate on that, and uh, hopefully, let's let's hope Derek disagrees with that. <laughs> well, it's a very good idea I have, so I'm sure Derek will disagree. So. I think you should either just not draft and place the one more round of sealed because adding a draft is a little tedious to a tournament. Or you should just play three rounds, and if you go X1 or better, you qualify for the Pro Tour. Right? Because that'll still get the four. It'll get the 3-0 and the two, the three through two ones. And then you don't have to like draft this cannon of a deck in, in the top eight of a draft or be worried that if you like get a little screwed, you could have time to make up for it. So that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I prefer the three-round draft, to be honest. But I don't entirely hate the idea of just playing the, the sealed again. Huh. I think it's funny that you, you, could, you could, like, if you knew the person next to you, you have no incentive, you're, like, you're just going to pass them all the good stuff, right? Yeah, I actually have a good story about, uh, so there was a seal, uh, a RPTQ that I top-aided, and uh, I open in my second pack uh, Archangel Avacyn, and I'm looking at it, and I'm not in white at all. And I was like, I could just pass this. I'm not going to play the person next to me at all. But Kale was going to play them, and I knew Kale <laughs> was going to play them, so I took it. What? <laughs> I didn't want him to play against Avacyn. <laughs> he would never forgive me. <laughs> so I took Avacyn and played it, and I had a pretty good deck, but lost anyway. Oh, wow. So you were, you were saving your friend. From from across, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I took a bullet for a man, but it didn't matter. <laughs> um, Alex, well, what do you think about this? Uh, do you think it's weird that that sealed RPTQ ends with like a one round of draft? Are you okay with it? Feels fine. Well, you made the PT, so you, I mean, I guess it's fine. I mean, it's probably not ideal, but the the, the scaling uh, system they have where. Some RPTQs give out eight invites if they're big enough. Some give out only two if they're smaller. Some maybe even one, but that's unlikely. Um, makes it so there's it's hard to come up with one system for all of these different situations. Um, so that they, they pr- probably look at different solutions and and rework. They seems like Wizards has been open to trying different things. So maybe um, yeah, maybe they'll try something else. Derek. Uh, yeah, I think that idea is pretty awful. Um, definitely the biggest reason is because not all RPTQs queue top four. Uh, some queue top two. Like, I know in California, one of the RPTQs only queued the top two people. Um, so you can't really 
like to play sealed deck for another two rounds is pretty egregious, especially like some people, like the people who 4 double drew in are just going to have probably a much higher chance of doing it than the people who X1 had to grind their way up or like it makes it so like people, people might just like, you might get less draws, but it makes the experience much worse. I find the only events that I've played that are double sealed, like you top, top eight is also your same sealed deck is just obviously the people who won were going to win because their deck is two or three levels higher. Um, the next thing about like drafting and everybody who's X one or better is like, do you then eliminate draws in top eight? Like the people have to play for the entire thing. And then it's like, how do you know, uh, like the whole idea of, um, collusion adds up more because I can scoop to you and I can still take a loss or like, I feel like my deck's the best deck at the table. And like you said, specifically you knew kale was playing somebody beside you. Everybody in this top eight, like knew each other, right? Like, Maybe if they didn't want players five through eight to queue, they could have somehow done something that makes it so they don't make it, right? Like, we have to beat these guys, but we can scoop to each other. You know what I mean? It just adds a a weird element to the game, and I don't think that that's what should be going on at these RPTQ events. I think if we had, like, ten less people at our RPTQ, it would have been cut to top two or something. Um, Or maybe it's 20 less people, I don't know, but it's hard to make a statement based on uh, the one round thing. If, if it's not for everybody and the other circumstances are better than the circumstance we have now. Andy. Well, so if, if your main concern is collusion, I feel like that's not as big as a deal as you think. Cause I feel like people aren't going to be scooping. Like once you're two, Oh, I guess you, you're playing someone else who's already definitely cute. So it doesn't matter. So, like, I don't think I'm going to scoop to someone if I've won a round. Like, so what round are you going to scoop in this top eight? So you win round one, you scoop round two. So you scoop, and the other guy goes to the Pro Tour for sure, and then you have to play a round? That seems pretty bizarre to me that people no, would not, do that. Not, not, like, if it's you and me, and we both win our first round, we can compare decks. And if I think that I have the best deck at the table, I'll scoop to you because my next round opponent whoever they're playing, like we could just see who they're playing, right? Like we know the bracket and then it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure whoever our opponent is next round has a bad deck because they were sitting at C5 and I was at C1 or I was, or I was at C6, sorry. And I know that my deck's the best deck at the table. You know what I mean? Like I've done this at pre-TQs where we've known the brackets. I knew who I was going to play. I won my first round. I had the best chance to win top eight and they scooped to me. And then I won the finals, right? Uh, I just don't think that that's good for the RPTQ top eight. I don't think this kind of thing is going to happen when people are scooping literal Pro Tour invites. Like, if I'm paired against Alex, we're both 1-0. His deck's a 10 out of 10. My deck's a fucking 1 out of 10. Alex is not scooping to me. He's not going to scoop me on the Pro Tour because his deck's unbeatable. (laughs) (laughs) I've... I've heard of people scooping to other people for the PT because they were going to hit silver or they were going to hit gold that year or that pro tour got them the three points they needed closer to silver or whatever, right? Like there's so many different incentivized reasons for somebody to scoop to somebody else. It doesn't always have to be money. doesn't always have to be whatever, right? Like 
this isn't going to, it's not going to be different in this format than it is in the other format of scooping for those reasons. It, it is, though, because both players can make it in. Right? I feel like you're overestimating the amount of generosity people have. I think you're underestimating situation. the amount of effort that goes into making it so people can't collude in the DCI rules. Like, there's so many things over the top that I would never think of that would make it so we can't collude. You know what I mean? But uh, I, I guess I'm just not on that next level collusion. Like, yeah, obviously you're just not a cheater, right? Like I am. I'm I'm a cheater. What's the word? Uh, sympathizer. I know how they cheat. Yeah. Once you <laughs> once you get banned once, I hope you're out. <laughs> oh my god! What a segment. I mean, Andy clearly disagrees with you, Derek, because uh, he was so impassioned. He dropped an f bomb. Yeah, I just, uh, I just realized that. Sorry. <laughs> I just realized if you compare decks and then decide who plays who, like scooping to somebody else is against the DCI rules. So like, don't do that. That's, that's not a good idea. <laughs> Derek, how was your RPTQ experience? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I X2'd, so it wasn't bad, but like, I, so <laughs> my pool was Tetsamok. Adonis Climb, right? Which sounds pretty good. Um, but Adonis I also, Climb, we keep talking about this card, <laughs> no matter what. Never yeah, leave yeah. Me. No, like, Tetsamog and Adonis Climb are the three, two of the three best rares in the set, the other one being Procession. Um, and I also opened the red Forerunner and a Needletooth Raptor. So I laid out the deck. Uh, my only good blue card was Climb. But I had good red, like another good red removal. Uh, I had fixing in green, and I had all these cards. And I'm like, what's better, second Tetsamok in Forerunner or Hadana's Climb? And so I built it with uh, with the red. Round one, I flooded out. I drew like 12 of my 17 lands um, in two games, and then another match, I lost to Procession. Uh, and I thought my deck was one of the top 10 decks at the room. Uh, just, I just think I got a little lucky, made a, might have built a little poorly. Um, but the format is definitely you open a good pool and you win. Uh, I won the games where I had Tetsamok, and I lost the games where I drew too many lands or where my opponent had a better bomb than I did. And, uh, yeah, the, the tournament went well, but, like, I just... I knew going into it, the format was going to be awful, and I hated every moment of it, and I still kind of hate it, you know? Uh, but stay positive for your RPTQ next week, people, because everybody's going to open a Tetsamok, and it's going to be fair, limited magic. Woo! <laughs> I mean, I would, I would call X2 a good finish, and, you know, if maybe things broke a little bit more in your way, you would have top-aided with that pool, it sounds like. Um, or even if you, you know, end up winning, you, you won your matches in a different order. You could have just double drawn in like I did or something like that, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely feel like I did get a little unlucky, uh, but everybody hears me complain about getting unlucky all the time, so I can't really use that anymore. Um, it's, uh, it's sort of frustrating because I feel like I had the best, one of the better decks, like I had a Tetsamok and I still just lost a Profane Procession. Like that, I think that card actually is just the best card in the set. And uh, 
it's funny because Edgar opened one and top aided with it. The guy who beat me yeah. top aided with it. And uh, every, every person I saw with it in play, they were just winning. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, AX2 is a good finish. Don't get me wrong. I just, I wanted to queue. <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> Alex, you had, you had a few words? Yeah, I was gonna say I know I was watching um the winning in that Edgar had against my friend Eric and it was like profane procession versus Tetsamok, which was pretty funny to see to watch. And uh, Edgar ended up having hostage taker too. His deck seemed pretty good. He posted a photo to Twitter and it was the deck just spread out, you couldn't see anything, and then hostage taker and profane procession in front. He's like, This was my deck. And it's like, Yep, those are the only two cards that mattered. Like <laughs> like Lombardi opened Profane Procession and Tetsamok and didn't top eight. So what? I just want to go for the record. Rob's bad at Magic. All right, everybody knows it. Even said it in chat. Uh, wow. I just, I just want to get that out there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> Bomb cards. Bomb cards, our boy could not bring it in. <sighs> I think Andy looks a bit disgusted. So um, let's jump straight into if you guys have more questions, uh, jump in our nation group. Of course, you can learn about that on patreon.com slash first strike, where Travis uh, made, Samuel and Sowers made a course. And if you have questions, come in. We, we have a whole thread on it. Uh, if you're planning to play an RPTQ this upcoming weekend, if you're going to Montreal one, who knows? Um, let's go, jump straight to standard uh, where Andy has been talking about his deck a lot, his blue-black deck, posting on Facebook, posting in the nation about his unbelievable record. And I think Andy has, has had a lot of sick runs with different decks like that, that even I can remember. Uh, like, let's say... Um, when I was playing Mono Black Devotion, you were playing Black White with uh, some killer MTGO records. You would go on to, to play many other decks with sick runs, and you keep that in track in your tables. But you said that this is might be the most dominant standard deck you've ever played, which is kind of nuts. Have you played Blue White Copter? Yeah, that's the the other deck. That's the other deck that I've had uh, this kind of win percentage with. Like, you have like times where you'll have like a ridiculous win percentage. But I feel like when you hit like 120 matches and you still have like the 72, 73% win rate, that's, that's when I, I feel like the deck's probably better than I am. And blue, white flash gave me a lot of that feeling too. But with blue, white flash, it felt like everyone's cards kind of stank a bit. And blue, white flash just had like a bit of better cards had Gideon and just kind of got carried by a couple of like, these super busted cards and i feel like blue black has like search for Ascanta, one of the most broken cards i've ever played in a standard format and then it just has two of the best finishers like ever to exist in standard in torrential gear hulk and the scarab god so it's just it's a nasty combination to get to play in standard at once so derek this whole time you're, you're the champion of uh grix's energy this is uh constant debate about which deck is better why do you like grixis energy more than blue black uh so side note 
I stopped playing uh, Grixis Energy about a week ago, um, mostly because I came to the conclusion that Grixis Energy is more powerful, but the consistency level isn't high enough. Um, and so when, when I would get paired up against blue-black or white-green or these decks that are like consistently consistent, like they're not doing anything too overtly powerful, but they're just doing something, um, the Grixis deck sort of had a tough time with their own deck. So they couldn't really play catch up to the point where like, if you have a flip search for his Kanta, by the time I get six mana I can use, I can't win the game. And so if I can't win the game, it's like that's blue black's entire game plan, right? Like how do you ever win that match? You can't. Um, I've been playing blue black mid range. And I think it's actually just far and away better than blue black control simply because control is, and always has been um, too reactive of a archetype to really pressure the opponent um, to the point where when you're behind, you're behind. Like, you don't want to disallow in your hand when your opponent has a Hazred on board. You want a Vrasa's Contempt. Um, and of course, cards like Search for Escanta can get you a Vrasa's Contempt, uh, but sometimes it just doesn't run that way, right? Uh, and of the times that control has been busted, it's been times like when Sphinx's Rev is in standard, and Sphinx's Rev is not in standard right now. Uh, you can play Scarab God in a mid-range deck, with Glinsteed Siphoner, and Glinsteed Siphoner is the best card in standard. And if you're not playing that card right now, you're insane. Or you're trying to have fun. But, like, who really has fun when they play Magic, right? So I just don't believe that the control the control deck is better, in my opinion. Hmm. Andy, to that you say... <laughs> to that I say. Uh, I agree that Glinsleaf Siphoner is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I play I play a bunch in the sideboard. Only in the sideboard because in blue-black I want to capitalize on blanking people's removal. So my experience with Siphoner is skewed because it just always survives because everyone's taking out all the removal. So all I do is I just draw like four cards and I'm like, man, why, why aren't I playing mid-range? And then later I play against the mid-range deck and I'm just like, moment of craving, your guy. Fatal push your guy, and then all of a sudden you can deal with the rest of the threats with cheap counter spells and Vraska's contempt of incredible removal spell. Mo- most decks just can't beat the like interact, 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 and then uh, Gear Hulk. They just can't be interacting a couple times and then Gear Hulk, or interact a couple times and then Scarab God. And that's kind of the like the plan A, and then plan B is just overwhelm with with Azcanta in the meantime. So. I, I do think blue black mid range is, is pretty good, but it uh, it uh, it's not doing so hot right now. I feel like, and I feel like even the uh, the Matt Folks has uh, kind of got off the deck. I think on uh, on his stream, and I see the that uh, the Saltai Snake deck is uh, <laughs> is coming up the ladder. Oh no! Every week, <laughs> every week it just keeps climbing. Um, Derek is the original proponent of this deck, the original champion. You defended it. You defended this. Not the climb version. Not the Hadana's climb version. Get that out of here. It's what? awful. Why are you playing a three-man enchantment in standard that does nothing? Just like, uh, like just play tokens. Just play anointed procession. It does the exact same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. People, people just like, they'll jump ship too quickly. Nobody's willing to tune a 75. They take a deck, and they're like, oh, this is working right now. They'll play it, 
until their win percentage goes from like 75% to 60%. And they'll be like, why am I losing? And then they'll just switch decks and they'll be like, oh, this deck's winning right now, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, like you just have to like play more Doomfalls, play more Essence Scatters, play more. Uh, like I'm playing two Bantus last reckoning in my sideboard. Every time I draw it against Green Black, I just win the game. The game's over. They don't know what's going to happen. And because like they can't, they can't play the long game with me. Uh, I just, people aren't willing to adapt. And I just want to say, uh, before we get off this topic, that me and Andy actually played um, in Moto a little while ago, and I was running so hot that Moto actually bugged out, and Andy lost. So, <laughs> scoreboard. Um, I did literally won. lose to a bug. <laughs> I, I uh, as canted, and it saw commit, and it just wouldn't let me take it, and it even put in the chats, like, commit... There's a like commit bug yeah, number three two like, eight like colon bug colon question mark this can't happen <laughs> and then I cast a glimmer of genius and saw one card <laughs> couldn't just didn't get to see the other card yeah but I won <laughs> that's amazing um let, let's wrap up with uh, a bit of standard with the mentioning uh. So let's bring it up here. The red green dinosaur deck that took down the mocks uh, this past on the 30th. So this past Saturday, no, this past Friday, I buy Volkswagen. And Derek, you, you mentioned something that you've seen before. Uh, yeah, I played against it. There's this weird thing with Moto where people will spike with a deck and then it'll go up like 60% in leagues and people will just be like, this deck's the new deck. This is the new format. Happened with Blue Black a couple weeks ago. Happened with Tokens. Happened with the, the Mono White um, with Splash Hazard that won the PTQ last weekend. It's happening with this Red Green Dinosaurs deck. Um, it, it used to be Mono Green. And I think it showed up in some random, like, how to beat the spikes article. Uh, because it just commits to the board early. And if you don't have answers, you win the game. Um, somebody's obviously, uh, what's the word? innovated with red and they're playing like commune with dinosaurs and the hasty boy, the five drop. And then they just slam Galta and smash you. It's like the old, uh, I think we talked about Samet earlier. Like when somebody would Samet you and then they would like, uh, invigorate a rampage and the game was over. Sort of like that. Hmm. What do you think, Andy? Um, I think, I don't, I don't think the deck is, is that good, but it does punish decks that like don't play Essence Scatter, because like Registrar Alpha is like two actual threats by itself, and then you can't reasonably get rid of all the threats, like Ronus is kind of hard to deal with, and then if they play Gal- Galta, that thing is in- enormous. It has Trample. Underneath all that stuff there, there's Trample. <laughs> but uh, it, has a, it has a lot of good threats. It, 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 it surprisingly lacks two drops. It only has like six two drop creatures. But uh, I don't know. I think it's fine. It might be better than the other red-green deck, but that's not saying a whole lot to me. Okay. Doesn't play Glorybringer. That card's bonk. Uh, Derek, is it, is it better than a climb deck? Would you recommend people pick this up? Over no. Time? No. The, the one thing I found out about this standard format is you play Scarab God, you play cards to beat Scarab God. The best way to beat Scarab God is just be linear. Uh, 
mono red's not the best linear deck in, anymore, and that's what people were doing in the old format. Uh, you have like tokens, you have mono green, you have uh, snake, which is all incredibly linear. Uh, if you stumble and they have their game on, they beat you. Like we take a look at the mono white approach deck that showed up at the SCG a couple weeks ago. They're just trying to do the exact same thing. They're trying to pick apart the metagame from a different angle. People aren't prepared for it, and they can't interact. And the entire time, uh, Scarab God has just been in the spotlight, and everybody's just trying to beat it. I don't think this deck is linear enough. Sure, maybe it spiked a Mox event, but whatever, right? Like, like Andy said, just play more Essence Scatters. Like, play more Wrath Effects. Uh, be more careful with your removal. Um, don't get caught by it. And it, it's just not very good. The snake deck, like you can't kill a Hydra when it resolves. Um, you can kill a Galta once it resolves, believe it or not. Uh, it's thick, but it's not that thick, you know? So I don't think the deck's very good. Alex, have you, have you had time to mess with uh, standard or are you too busy with uh, limited? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, I've, dabbled, uh, I've dabbled a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in particular, like the, the original mono green version of this, you know, Galta deck is trying to capitalize on the lack of fumigates and settle the wreckages in the format. Um, and Galta in particular is capitalizing on, you know, overloading hard removal, like the Frasca's Contempts. Everyone's running four of them, but they can only run four and no one's running Chupacabra anymore, which is a great answer to Galta. And I don't think the format's going to really come around to adjust to this because Chupacabra is not a great card and Fumigate and Settle the Wreckage, same thing. Um, so I think maybe this deck does have potential. The The Dinosaur Shell, I don't really see this being a thing that, that sticks because I think you're giving up some card quality by playing cards like um, Death Gorge Scavenger and the Registrar Alpha. Probably I don't I wouldn't think that's that'd be worth it for the for the dinosaur synergy there. Um instead of playing, you know, the Kenra's like the normal green red monsters deck, but that's that's just my thoughts on it. I think uh how Andy was trying to say Galta is how I try to say Chupacabra. <laughs> or Bloodbraid Elf. Oh. I'm not the only one that struggles with that, I realize. What I'm looking for, I'm, anyone's about to say that card, I'm looking for it. Blood, but, but, but <laughs> elf. Um, we're going to be bringing in uh, one of our good friends, one of our best guests ever, Final Nub, in a bit. But before we do, we'll, we'll just get these guys' thoughts. Uh, Logan Nettles, uh, Reduke's cousin, someone I've talked to on Twitter, on Facebook, on MTGO for, I feel like, many years now. Um, when he first when Jabberwockies started dominating the, the MTGO trophy scene, or, or even before that, when there were, I think, you could just see people who had a lot of uh, Mox points, Magic Online points, and he was way up there, uh, became friends with him, picked his brain on stuff, and uh, recently he posted, um, let me look this up, on Twitter, we posted in the show notes, he did a met- metagame breakdown and mini analysis of today's modern mocks. And to my surprise, Hollow One was number one in terms of number of pilots with 23. It was also number one in win percentage, 61.6%, 98 to 61. And my friend Marcel Safra, known as one of the better players in Alberta, he top aided 
the the face to face games open. Uh, this the, the last one that was in Alberta with Hollow One, and despite I think previously we would make fun of this deck on previous episodes, or, or Rob would sort of dismiss it as not being you know the, the typical deck that looks like it might not be that consistent, but might be the deck to play if no one's packing any graveyard hate. I mean, this seems to be the de facto choice of the pros now, more so than like any types of death shadow. Uh, your feelings on this, Andy? Uh, I think so. We talked about this earlier, and the best way to explain it is the the ceiling on the deck is almost as high as it can really get for modern. It can do some absolutely busted things with hard to remove threats, and the floor it functions. It's not that bad. It, it's still like a fine aggro deck when it's not functioning that well. You have to get like pretty pretty obscenely unlucky to like on these cards that are at random to, to actually miss. Like you're, you're barely missing unless you're actually discarding the card hollow one. And even when you are, you have so many good threats that are good against some of the, the linchpin cards of the format, like fatal push and uh lightning bolt. Like your all your cards are good against these cards. And for an aggro deck to have all these, like dodging the the key removal spells to catch all these other decks up that aren't aggressive decks and just being super fast and relatively consistent as we see that it keeps racking up results is a lot to deal with. And it might be modern's best deck right now. And I I don't... All right, and let's welcome someone who might disagree with that statement, Andy. Welcome back... Jonathan, final nub himself. How's it going, my man? So happy to see you. Yeah, you know, I actually saw the um uh the the tweet tweet by uh, Jabberwocky. Um, all one I think, or the humans. Yeah, one, yeah one all one. All one's up there at sixty one point six percent with twenty three pilots. Woo! And where's Grishol Grishol brand? Where the hell is it? <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> to, 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 be, to be fair, though, on Saturday I top aided the modern challenge, but I was gonna go um, drinking um, downtown th- that night. So even though I was, I was gonna play the mocks, I thought it would be better life EV not to play it and you know give other people a chance. So yeah, oh, such a such a badass statement that's that's clearly approved by Andy. Um, so have you seen? So you you I know you've been busy. I've been chatting with you online, and you've told me you've been busy. Have you been battling when you had the chance to battle? Have you seen more other ones on the MTGO scene? Oh, absolutely! And you know the easiest thing that we could have done was you know just dismissing the deck as being gimmicky, high variance. You know, it might fold itself sometimes, but I think the cat's out of the bag. I think it's much more consistent than people give it credit for. The power, the average power level is super high. You know, the creatures outside most of the common removals and other creatures, and I think it's time to just give it the credit it deserves. To be honest. Whoa! So how how does the um the father of Grishel Dad Grishel Brand fare against the Hall One? Not not only the Hall One deck, but the Humans deck, which are two of the most popular decks, whether it be online or in real life. Well, look, you know. <laughs> I think I played it at Toronto once or twice. I bl- I played it a bunch online. I think it's a slightly fa- favorite matchup for us. You know, fifty five forty five maybe. You know, it's really comical when they go turn one burning curry and I discard my Grizzlebrand. It's like, oh, thanks. And 
I think on average, their their fundamental turns a bit slower than us, and I'm not sure how much more consistent they are um, compared to us. So I think um, it's going to be high variance. I know they play a lot of leyline on the void in the in the sideboard, but generally speaking, I'm happy to just um, play hollow one whenever I'm playing Gristlebrand and just you know embrace that variance. Humans is a terrible, terrible matchup. I mean, humans was designed to prey on these combo decks, right? You know, there's tempo, there's disruption. It's high-powered, uh, one-mana creatures like Champion of the Parish. It's really hard. And literally all of their two-drops, Thalia, Tidesdale, and um, Meddling Mage, they make life very difficult for you. So I, I really don't want to see turn one Champion of the Parish um, across me. I think it's like a 30-70 matchup. And honestly, if, if there was a modern Pro Tour tomorrow and it's for all the marbles and I'm playing for, for, for the win... I probably will just pick up humans. I, I think it's in a very good position right now. Whoa! I think Andy's eyes just just widened really high. Andy, why? He's <laughs> he's supposed to be the guy. He would have. Yeah, but he's ready to leave. But look, you know, I I, th- I think it's a mistake when you recognize when you can recognize that you know there is a clear best or a clear two best decks in the, in the format. That's good against the variety of the the majority of the metagame. And when there's a clear one like that, I think it's a mistake not to try and bandwagon. I, I think that's what I think. Did you see um, in the mocks yesterday, for example, Canister, I think, who's uh, renowned for Lantern, he didn't even play Lantern. He hopped onto the um, Hollowan train. And when pros are doing that, I think it's time to, you know, give recognition and just call a spade a spade. I, f- I feel like... You found out that you're ki- you don't have a good kid, and you just let him go. You're like just, <laughs> just go, just get out of here. It's not the same thing. Stop it's, saying it's that. The same. Let's not talk about Canister as a bad way. dad. You can't. <laughs> no. Children have feelings too. Yeah, so keep them. <laughs> keep your children. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> Look, look, modern. I think it's um people. Everyone says that you know you you, you got to play what you know. There's um, percentage points to be earned by you know knowing the matchup better than your opponent. So there, I was over exaggerating a bit, but I think even decks like Jund, which supposedly has has a good matchup against humans because of all its removals, I've heard people who play Jund say that it's not that good of a matchup against um against humans. In fact, they might be a slight underdog. And when the these premier mid range decks that are supposed to be preying on these uh, creature-heavy matchups are still losing to humans. I think, I don't know, I think that speaks volumes. If anyone disagrees, I would, I would love to hear it. Um, I, I'm, Andy, you're making me think of like this movie scene where you know, Final Nub's like, looking at all these masters of other you know, schools or arts, and they're like converting, and then he's like... <sighs> it's his turn. Um, Derek, what, what do you think about this format now? It looks like maybe for the first time, Maybe not, though, because we've seen how Death Shadow was cons- consensus best deck by a lot of people. But maybe we're finally seeing, you know, a top two emerge. Uh, what do you think about the current metagame? Um, I think that uh, Modern, in my opinion, just has never been a really good format. Um, it always seems to me that there's something ridiculous going on like somebody said to me the or somebody said on twitter i think it was craig wesco that uh faithless looting is busted and when 
when you can actually use the cards in your graveyard that you're discarding with faithless looting, it's like you're paying one mana to go up to nine cards in your hand on turn one. And we take a look at Jerry T's deck that made the finals of the PT and Grizzle Brand and Hollow One decks. Faithless uh, Looting is the best card in those decks. It has flashback. It costs one mana. Um, I think this is just another fatal flaw with Modern. There are a lot of cards that are uh, abusable, and sometimes Wizards prints new cards or new uh, archetypes, um, abilities, and it just breaks an entire format open. And, like, take a look at Hollow One. Um, even humans, like, uh, they needed to print a Thoughtseize human at 1 2. And it just made the deck really good. People were saying, oh, we didn't find this out before. It's like, no, of course you didn't. They printed a new Cavernous Souls, and they printed a new two-drop human that like made the deck really good so that like it didn't just lose to random sweepers. And I don't know. Uh, just, it just seems to me that like Modern is just like that. Um, maybe when Dominaria comes out, we have a new Legendary thing going on. Maybe the meta will shift. But until then, I think... Faithless looting decks and aggro decks like humans are just gonna rule the the meta game. Like maybe I was wrong about Jace, but you didn't hear me say that. <laughs> True. Um, I don't know if you, if you were here, uh, Final Nub, but uh, Derek made the bold claim that that Jace was gonna ruin the modern format, and and apparently <laughs> it's not true. Hey, I thought the exact same thing. I I, I claimed I was a literal mistake. They might have to unban it again. It's way too powerful, but all bearing out that way. Wow. Bailing Derek out. He's super happy. <laughs> I, uh, so I pulled up Canister's um, Twitter, and he, yeah. he, he was in a conversation. He said, I played two matches with Lantern before Mox to make sure what I wanted to play, but my burn opponent in a league had Shatterstorm in their sideboard. So um, I think that people... We're preparing for Lantern too much, and he noticed that. Uh, I think the same thing happens with when people play Dredge or other graveyard decks or Affinity, and they notice that they get too much hate. They're like, I can't play this deck this week. Um, I got to play something else. Uh, he did play the Modern Challenge the next day with Lantern, uh, according to his Twitter, so maybe he's back on it. Um, I don't know how players decide their deck lists or how fast, like, you could consider a master ditching a deck really ditches like how fast they really ditch the deck. Um, but I think that's important information to take in just to think about really. It's probably two different tournaments too. Like the, the mox is going to be really heavy with platinum and gold pros, right? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Not a lot of those pros pick up hell one for this tournament. Right, 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 right. Um, Derek, you brought up uh, Craig Wesco and I'm just going to, read his tweet interest at what replying to jabberwocky's original tweet interesting analysis the two decks the highest win rate in the tournament are built around abusing faithless looting hmm there's another there's another top deck right i need it i mean uh, the card i've been saying is the most egregious offender in modern it's as if the data is supporting my claim what do you say that that final of the most egregious offender in modern is actually faithless looting, according to Craig Weskin? Look, you know, at face value, it's card of disadvantage, and it's hard to find a place for it. But if you can, if your game plan is so streamlined, faithless looting just works triple duty, right? Um, like for Grishel Brand, it, it's an enabler. 
for uh, for Mardu, it's an enabler and a, fi a card filter in a deck that has no card draw. Dredge, same thing. And it, it does way too much for one mana, and it has flashback. So <laughs> I, I, I can't disagree that much. It just need, needed to find the right shell, and there's a few right now that's really abusing and take advantage of the fact that it's a one mana it's a one mana spell that does the work of, you know, maybe a two or three mana spell. Whoa, whoa. Are, are we saying this might this might be bannable someday? Uh, that that would be unprecedented to to have something as innocuous as this ban, but <laughs> look, you know, be, uh, unless Dredge starts taking every single um every single tournament for the next three months, I or Grishel Brand keeps like turn two and people on camera. I don't think that's ever going to happen there. Well, what do you think about that, Andy? Like all this man's hard work over the years, completely gone. <laughs> well, he's ready to he's ready to leave it all behind. So he's our hero. Save but, uh, him. Faithless Looting has the characteristics of a bannable card. It's it's extremely cheap. It has value, and it enables like some really linear strategies to succeed maybe better than they want them to succeed. Whether or not they should ban it, I don't I don't think so, but uh Hall, the success of Hollow One needs to see if like it can be pushed back by hate. And then if it can be pushed back by hate, we just move on with this uh Wild West gunfight of modern. Uh, what what is there's no one card that's a knockout punch like Rest in Peace and Dredge. I kept trying to think about it and you know, if you have graveyard hate, you can still Get a turn turn one hollow one times two, you know. If you can get anger of the gods and try to cut off the recurrable uh, creatures, but you know you can still get hit by those giant, giant fatties. Like, what, what is the solution here? I don't think there is one. At least I humans, you can have like for blue white, for example, you can have a good split of uh, wrath of god and uh, day of judgment and supreme verdict to try and uh, play around uh, metal mage, for example. Or there's other sweepers or um, bolt and snapcaster. But what is the solution on? Um, combating Hollow One, I don't have an immediate answer. I think I think Rest in Peace kind of cards are, are good enough. Like I understand that you can still have the super broken Hollow One draws, but you don't have like you, the punches don't keep coming after that. Like with the Flame Wake Phoenix and uh, the Gurmag Anglers are turned off, the Phoenixes are weakened enough that I think you can let a deck have like one mana four, one mana four fours or two mana four fours. And zero mana, multiple four fours. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that's fine if that's all it can do now. Which is it's almost at that point with rest in peace. You're right that it can still do some pretty busted things with the rest in peace in play. But I think it hates it out enough that like a rest in peace won't shut it out by itself. But you can back up a rest in peace with almost anything good, and you and you you have a shot in the game almost certainly. Mm. Fair enough. Okay, so so John, uh, what have you been up to lately? So look, um, since Toronto, I've been I've still been playing the Modern Challenge, but you know, as a man who has never drafted before, and as a man who's never played a a match of sanctioned standard game um, until like last month, you know, it, it's a bit of a ramp up for me to you know go from being the modern modern guy to you know, trying to trying to prepare for that pro tour, so I'm just been looking around, um, trying to get acclimated to the um, standard meta game, trying to trying to learn the ABCs of uh, uh, draft. And you know, to be honest, I'm not sure if there's going to be someone as uh, 
with as much um, up climb, uh, uphill climb towards the pro tour dominant areas I, I have. But uh, uh, fortunately, I have some time to you know get get acclimated, learn a bit. I think I'm a good and fast learner. So, um, but it, it's it's going to take time. So it's going to take volume. So I, I I've come up with some sort of a uh, a plan to you know put a few hours every day trying to put reps in on standard or trying to watch a few drafts here and there or watch a streamer a draft here and there. And uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Uh, I'm going to Seattle, so I'm, I'm trying to pick up a legacy at the same time, which is kind of kind of adventurous. I've always wanted to get into legacy, and now's as good, good of times as uh, any. But yeah, mostly standard, mostly draft. Just trying to trying to do something I haven't before and learn it within a few months. So you're qualified for uh, PT Richmond June first to third. Yes, sir. Oh my God, Alex, you're gonna you're gonna compete against final the final nub. I'll see you there. I'll see you there. Sweet. Hit me up. Better hit him up. GP uh, Mass. John, I don't think I've introduced you to Alex. He's the last GP winner of Splinter Twin. We were on the cast together. Oh, man. Yeah, we were on the cast last time. Too many, too many so people. You were the last <laughs> GP winner in modern where uh, Twin was legal. Yeah. Quite, quite the accomplishment. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I got carried by the band cards. <laughs> yeah, you got carried by band cards. Um, everyone should be playing uh, cards that are debatably uh, too powerful to be in the format. So more faithless looting. Andy, do you plan on streaming uh, some amount of Hollow ones to build up on your blue-black record? I got it now. I have to. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> uh, I am maybe the luckiest person I've ever met. So the fact that I could play multiple Hollow ones on turn one, sign me up. All right. <laughs> We're going to look forward to that. Uh, John, you, you had mentioned legacy. Um, are you starting from scratch here? What, what's your uh, level of experience in legacy, and what are you bringing to Seattle this weekend? Well, look, you know, when I was, um, I, I played like 10, 15 years ago back in the invasion. Um, I, I quit for a bit, but. Uh, how I how I got into Magic actually was just watching a bunch of legacy videos and uh, <laughs> enjoying how a lot of a lot of things are broken, you know. So you know, you, you can see that with how um, I've chosen my um, modern decks. So I just want to play some more combo. So yeah, I'm kind of scra- uh, starting from scratch, but I played a bunch of um, bunch of leagues online with the, the Epic Storm, and it'll be the first time playing um, Storm all um, in paper. And I'm sure I'll punt a lot, you know, because of the logistics of Counting and keeping track of uh, storm and mana uh, in paper. I'm sure there's going to be a screw up with you, but you know what? Uh, no pressure for me. If I if I uh, scrub out, that's fine. Just better have fun. So you're going going with the experience because uh, do you, do you know what you're you're going up against? We had um, someone that has been playing uh, Karim on a local guy who, who legacy expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the only guys still doing well with Mavericks said that Grixis Delver, according to him, is uh, by far and away the best deck in the format. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Are you prepared or are you just going, you know, whatever? Uh, or is it showing up on- online? Oh, absolutely. Online's full of those, you know, it, it's a battle against Delver and Chalice, basically, prison against the fun police. In, in a way, they're both fun polices, but in a different way. But no, I, I realize that Delver is probably the best best deck by far. A lot of people are gonna call it the uh, Honda Civic, the Overliable, and you know they're gonna come out and play it. I'm fine. I think um, it, it's hard to meta game in a large tournament like that because 
at the end of the day, they could only be 20%, and you might play play it maybe twice or three times in a 15-round tournament. But I definitely right. think you need to have a good plan for that, and that applies to modern as well. You know, you don't have to you don't have to meta game specifically for Hollow One or Human, but have have a plan against the most popular decks. And I think I'm I'm doing that by upping the uh, empty the Warrens count to um, a full four in my 75. Just try to make a faster goblins for ten, and I think that's um, usually good enough before Delver can take over. So um, I, I'm a bit familiar with the legacy um, uh, legacy format. I'm not I'm not a total um, noob there, but obviously. <laughs> There are going to be times when I'm, uh, I'm going to be uh, wishing I had more experience. But yeah, I'm prepared, and um, we'll see how we do. A- any of you guys going to um, Seattle by chance? Nope. I mean, no. Rats. Alex, last Qu- minute. Question, question for you, though, Jonathan. Have you considered Black Red Reanimator? See, the, I guess the natural transition really is to, you know, go to a Gristle Brand deck. And to be honest, like, I played Black Red Reanimator a bunch in Legacy Online. It's fun. It's, it's busted. Turn 1, Sire, completing, completely shutting down combo decks or Turn 1, Gristle Brand. It feels great. But I, I just think stylistically, I'd rather um, just combo in a more intricate way. I like to do a lot of puzzle solving and critical thinking, I think. So that's why I think Storm appealed to me the most. Let's look, look at that! Look at that face. Completely satisfied with the answer. Oh, yeah. You're not going, Alex. Last minute flight. No, you know I would probably consider it more if they separated them. They spaced out the GPs so you could play them both, both GPs to completion. But you can't do that because they overlap. So for me, not real worth it. I don't play Legacy either. So. Is this the first time they're doing this? No, Vegas was um, the same format. Or even even more uh, packed. The Vegas was um, Friday, Saturday, Legacy, Saturday, uh, Saturday. Well, it's Legacy, then Limited, then Modern. It was really ta- uh, packed. Yeah, right? but at that one, you could at least play two full GPs. So I felt right. like I was getting two GPs for the price of one. I wasn't there. for this one, Alex. It's just two GPs, Friday, Saturday, and then Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, Vegas was... Saturday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. So theoretically, you can play two full ones. Yes. Uh, what's What's the first one? Is so, it Legacy or Standard? Um. So Friday, Saturday is Legacy. Saturday, Sunday is Standard. Do you have a Standard deck, uh, John? Just in case you uh, scrub scrub out. Look, look. I, I was actually going to ask you guys. You know, like I, I'm trying to trying to get some reps in with some funky decks in Standard, but People keep telling me that if you're not playing Scarab God, you're making. Maybe I am, but you no, know, my my friends let, I mean, uh, let let me uh, mono red. But every time I play mono red online, I keep getting run over by literally everything. So I have a hope or no. There is a combo deck in standard with Godfarer's Gift. That seems like it's up your alley. So I heard Combat Celebrant or the um, yeah yeah the the blue red one or the grindy blue white one. I saw it. it I, I feel like the learning curve is too much, and I'd rather play like a brainless um, aggro deck. Not brainless, but like linear one. But uh, do you, do you guys agree that the age of moderate's over with the go white decks and the blue white uh, blue uh, black X decks? Like, I, I feel like I don't have a good matchup. Yeah, I think uh, the, the days of moderate are over. I think you have to play cards like scrap heap scrounger at the very least in your deck, so that you can combat removal and have like a resilient threat. I don't think you can uh play just straight moderate anymore. 
Though mm-hmm. so, some people do well with it, but I don't, I don't know how. Brass's Contempt is one hell of a card. It just, yeah. Uh, it's a clean answer to everything, and it gains life. It's like, what else? Uh, what else would Monored want to see? If not well, that, you no. Know, so, so I, I've been seeing a list from Jeff Cunningham, who actually I think is a local in Vancouver, but he's been doing well with the Monored that has a walking ballistas. What do you guys think of that? Uh, it looked weird to me, but he's been winning with it. I think um, I think motor results are very skewed, and. Mm. Whenever he five O's with the list, he just gets probably paired against players who are not really adjusted to his list or have adjusted their deck to not beat Mono Red anymore because it's fallen out of the format. Every time I get paired against him, Walking Ballista does nothing. It doesn't do anything unless it has a snake in play really right. Like and then you have decks where it just doesn't kill anything. It's just a two mana one one. Um and then the worst card in the deck is probably the the Mog Fanatic that has to tap Not to deal with damage. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's playing four of those. He just tries to commit to the board really quick. Um, I find it's a lot more aggressive, and if you want to be doing that, you should be playing a white deck that has a better late game plan with going wide, uh, where his deck is obviously just built to surprise people, I think. But I could just be entirely wrong because he, you are right. He is winning with it a lot. Um, he got like a couple trophies with it over the last two days or something so yeah so what, yeah. what would you what are you guys playing right now like um the snakes on ladder deck seems really cool or grixis seems to be um also a thing i'm playing blue black midrange mm. um i took matt matt folks's old list cut a sensor cut a supreme will and put two search for his cantos in the main smooths out the draws and it's a combo with champion of wits cool cool yeah i've been playing just just blue black control for almost the entire duration that it's uh, been around yeah that that deck looks super strong i was actually messing around with the uh, mono white approach deck which looks very funky but i i think you guys are talking about it um they they showed it at star city and Every time I played um, a blue black or a Grixis deck, if I if I just binding the Ear Hulk and you know, get them out of, uh, make sure they don't um, cast memory, it feels like they're just going to time out slash um, deck deck themselves. So do you, do you guys think that mono white approach deck is, has any legs or is it just a gimmick? Hey, Derek, do you want to talk about how this deck sucks or should I? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very bad. It's, it's- no, go ahead. It's playing uh it's playing what's what's the the rock of oh, a rock song? Or else that rock, yeah, it looks really bad. Yeah, like. It taps for it taps for three life and you get to draw a card. <sighs> I think with with the card commit memory being around, I don't think uh excellence binding is doing uh, doing the work that it that it once did. Yeah. And uh, the rest of the deck is sort of bad. Like it, it can hit an interesting spot because everyone's like expecting no more fumigates, no more settles. So they can, uh, you can kind of catch some people off guard with their deck building. Like the red green dinosaur deck probably just can't beat it. But yeah. uh, I don't think you're doing yourself any favors by playing this deck. Gotcha. Blue back. That's, that's why everyone needs to be on. Like I got to start learning. Yeah, blue black whatever. It doesn't matter how much what cards you throw around. I don't know. It, really. it, doesn't, it doesn't fit you stylistically. <laughs> it, no, it's not but in you know, if I'm gonna, 
if I'm gonna play at the Pro Tour and try to do well at it, I, I gotta find the best deck, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try everything here. Man. Uh, no, Alex, I'm not gonna fix the camera. It's just like out of battery. I'll, I'll fix it next time. Uh, we're, we're gonna wrap up the show, anyways. Uh, shout out to everyone who's joining us in chat, especially Coach P. Sams. I don't know uh, if you're gonna offer some of your coaching services, Phil, to uh, to anyone. Um, shout out to someone who asked if we have a spoiler card. Those will come out. We will reveal them uh, next week. We have two cards. Uh, one of they may or may not have already been revealed, but we have uh, some art that has yet to be made public, at least as of the last time I checked. So hopefully that's that's still the case, so we can show off some uh, cool art from Dominaria and also talk about the uh, the card that that we got. So make sure to tune in next week. Um, Shoutouts to. First Strike Nation, which you can join on patreon.com slash first strike. Shout outs to the producers, Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirchik, J. Thomas Ean, Sasha Papo, Derek Pite. It's always weird when I read this. Matthew Kelly and Adrian Murchison. Shout outs to everyone in the nation. Um, and I wish we had more people qualified for the PT, but it looks like only Alex got there so far by the RPTQ system. Um, yeah, anything else uh, we want to talk about? I think we're, we're pretty good. The uh, some stuff is coming out this week. Is it the challenger decks coming out? Uh, let me check. No, no, that's elves versus inventors is coming out this week. Not something that I'm interesting. Oh, no, but also the challenger decks are coming out April 6th. Something that Annie's really hyped about. And anyone who wants to get started, if, if you're listening to this, and a lot of you, like uh, Justin Robert, one of my childhood best friends. Maybe you don't have like a, a deck you haven't gone into standard or have like a constructed competitive deck. This is the best way, the most uh, affordable, value packed way to get you jump started into standard. And even you, Final Nub, if you don't have a paper collection yet. No, absolutely. This is a. I thought this was a great idea. You know, it gives a very good entryway for people like me who's kind of wanted to get into standard but didn't know how, or it was very cost prohibitive. The red deck is like half or three quarters of the mono red deck already. So if you want to play that, for example, it's very easy to get in. So I, I really appreciate Wizards doing this. Okay. Well, some hype from Alex. I was just going to say, if you really wanted to pull like a power move at the PT, show up with oh, a, a freshly deck. purchased challenger deck still wrapped in plastic. Sit down across <laughs> from your opponent, unwrap it, unwrap the packaging, and just present. Uh, roll the so on. Kill here to D20. What was that, Andy? <laughs> you can high roll with the D20 it comes with. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Final Nub. <laughs> um, John, thank you so much for coming back on. Um, if you guys haven't, if you guys are interested in Grishel Brand, I know a lot of people have told me it's an awesome series. Go check out his series of articles on manadeprived.com two-part series on everything that you could possibly want to get you started, including how to sideboard. So nothing more you could ask for if you really want to look for some degenerate modern deck to play. 
everything's in there and it's free and it's free and and the articles are absolutely insane uh people have come up to me whether it's online actually and i've told you john i've sent you some sometimes the compliments i get regarding your material that it's the type of stuff that deserves uh like people are just phoning it in uh and you're not so i appreciate your effort and thank you and everyone should check that out and uh yeah shout out to everyone in the chat once again we will see you next monday night bye guys 